Let's do this. Let's get right into another KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast. Brothers, how are you? Well, we not re- we we can go bypass that and just get right into topics and all today. Um, Doc, go at it, man. First, I we remiss if I didn't answer your question as much as well could be in regards to what happened earlier this week, and I will address it and honor those that have lost their lives in this tragic massacre that took place uh, last week. Um, but um, as I try to find a way to move on, like we all have to move on in the situation, um, want to say a happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. And not only those that are biological fathers, but happy those... Happy Father's Day to you too, sir. Thank you. And for those that have taken the place of fathers uh, and mentored individuals and uncles, brothers, in those different ways, in a lot of ways, people don't understand that that it oftentimes can be greater than just being a biological father. So for that, definitely want to acknowledge that and say Happy Father's Day to all those individuals out there that um, are fathers and play that role. With that, I would be remiss if I didn't go back and, as I said, honor those nine individuals that lost their lives in this tragic, senseless massacre that take place and i would like to actually read the names of the nine if you don't i wouldn't so go ahead daniel simmons senior 74 a pastor who died in the hospital operating room myra thompson 59 a pastor at the church the Payne militant doctor 49 a pastor retired in 2005 as charleston county director of the community development block grant program susie jackson 87 lance's cousin who was a longtime church member Ethel Lance, 70, a retired Gilliard Center employee who has worked recently as a church janitor. Tawanza Sanders, 26, who had a degree in business administration from Allen University, which happens to be a HBCU, where Pinckney also attended. And we'll get to who Pinckney we're referring to in that case. Sharonda Coleman Singleton, 45, a church pastor, speech therapist, and coach of the girls track and field team at Goose Creek High School. She's also a HBCU graduate. She was a graduate of South Carolina State that ran track there. Uh, mom of son and daughters that she leaves behind. Many people loved her at the school. Cynthia Hurd, 54, St. Andrews Regional Branch Manager for the Charles County Public Library System. And finally, Clemente Pinckney, 41, the primary pastor, who's also served as a state senator. Um, he is one that really is glaring because we start to learn more about him. As many of these individuals we talk about, um, that they're obviously in this case, um, mothers, sisters, daughters, as we honor fathers on this day, fathers, brothers, sons of individuals. So to humanize them, we'd be less than right if we didn't do that. And as we talk about sports and the connection with real life, that's a component that goes on here, that these were real individuals real people with real lives um, that were part of America and those many subcultures that are in America, whether that's part of the church, uh, this beautiful church that we have now learned for those that may have not of how deep historically it was uh, in the history of this country, the history even more so in a lot of ways to African-American. So those a framework that I wanted to share there. But many of these individuals were members of Panhellenic Greek letter organizations, for those that may not 
be aware of that. Those are organizations that are steeped in the uh, African-American community, and they include Phi, uh, Phi Beta Sigma, a member of Alpha Phi Alpha Fraternity, two members of the sorority of Alpha Kappa Alpha Sorority, and a member of Delta Sigma Theta a sorority as well. And I talked about Allen University. Clemente Pinckney was a, attended Allen University, and we also had a Clark Atlanta University graduate. Um, Clemente Pinckney also was a graduate of South Carolina for his master's. Um, he was a brilliant individual. He was called to preach at 13, minister at 18, and served as state legislator at 23, and a shepherd to one of America's most historically black churches at 26. To let you know the history and how he would have been a leader without a doubt in my mind. Even those in the state legislature talked about uh, his booming voice, but the fact that he had no malice or hate. So it's a sad day um, when we have pockets of society. And oftentimes for the haste or just not to be politically incorrect or dealing with our situations financially for jobs we don't speak about it and as was eloquently said during a honors celebration is that we can no longer be quiet and that's why i thought it was appropriate that we open up um, before we get into more of the sporting frameworks of what we normally did that we connected the life of those individuals and said that um no longer can this be tolerated, that uh, we have to speak out, and then this is our form of speaking out, and I'll move on and share the floor if you all want to add anything to that. I want to add this from um, Charles, P Charles P. Pierce wrote this in Esquire, and I posted it on uh, Facebook, and just a little snippet of it, but it piggybacks on what Doc just uh, referenced and discussed quoting from Mr. Pierce's Esquire article what happened in, in a Charleston church on Wednesday night is a lot of things but one thing it's not is quote unspeakable end quote we should speak of it often we should speak of it loudly we should speak of it as terrorism which is what it was we should speak of it as racial violence, which is what it was. We should speak of it as an attack on history, which it was. This was the church founded by Denmark Vesey, who planned a slave revolt in 1822. Vesey was convicted in a secret trial in which many of the witnesses testified after being tortured. After they hung him, a mob burned down the church he built. His sons rebuilt it. On Wednesday night, someone, we now know as Dylan Ruth, turned it into a slaughter pen. The whole point is, as Mr. Pierce wrote so eloquently, is we need to talk about it. We need to stop hiding from saying it doesn't exist. It's over. Get over it. Slavery was 400 years ago. You know, we got a black president. We are in a quote. What is it? A post-racial America. Millennials are you know, referred to as this is their time and they are have a more loving effect among each other. But Wednesday night, it wasn't show. 
young man was welcome into the church sanctuary that we've all been taught as children coming up that's a place that you could go, you knew you could go safely but as I sit here today Wednesday night brought back a ugly part of my childhood growing up in Mansfield Louisiana it wasn't so much that I could well let me just Wednesday night it, refer, it just brought everything back I thought we had all come got past that point that at least church was a place was still you could go and be safe but that just got shattered and people can talk we've all heard the pundits and all and people have made statements that you know about this young man and, and his situation but some but somewhere along the way somebody taught this kid hate because babies don't come into this world with hate in their heart it's taught to them. That's not something that they are born. You born with. Somebody taught that kid about hate. And the worst part about it was it was a typical stereotype situation: high school dropout, searching for something, found it, stayed with it, and as we can all see, not only was his mom afraid, his friends, but nobody spoke up. Just because they all had, they were all buddy buddy, and the mom wanted to be a friend to the son. In that in that situation, that bothered me, because somebody should have said, "Hey, take that away from me." You know, find find out what's going on. Find out what's going on. And the connection here that we talk about, as I come to a final conclusion, the church that we speak about, and we will. As we said and praise their names, is the fact we're looking at the church Emmanuel African a Methodist Episcopal Church AME. With that, as you talk about the hate, the connection between that hate that often is shown outside of the two depressed flags of Rhodesia and South Africa during apartheid is the Confederate flag. Yep. And I will say this, it needs to come down. And as we tie it back finally in terms of the sport context, many of the frustrations I've had with the NCAA, one thing they did do that I believe was correct uh, is to not allow NCAA-sanctioned games to be played. Now, South Carolina has been able to get around that in some frameworks, which Mm -hmm. I think is unacceptable. But it would be interesting to see how many people will continue to hide behind behind this lie in regards to this flag being a cultural manifestation of past history. When we know that uh, post the Civil War, flags came down. It wasn't until the 60s. Let's get this straight out there because many people don't necessarily tell this historical component that the flag of the Confederate flag that we see and its various variations and forms, war flag or whatever, we know this particular flag was not raised and became back part of state flags, particularly in the southern regions, namely Georgia, Mississippi, South Carolina, where the Confederate uh, was actually started. 
in terms of post or is the fact that 60s and 70s when people know obviously was the civil rights movement black power movement it wasn't until then that these flags were reestablished and became prominent mm-hmm. so to suggest that they were put strictly for a cultural framework is a lie and a hidden agenda it needs to be tackled it needs to be talked about and so that's the component that I think the NCA has to go back again and deal with some of these issues as well as all of us talking about eradicating the hate that's out there and one last thing for me in history we've all been taught it's still in the books the conqueror erases history for whatever reason, just like you mentioned, the Confederate flag was not erased. It was brought up because they needed a rallying cry, and that was it. During that time of change. And change didn't come easy, and it never is. But folks, plain and simple, as far as we've come in this world today, 2015, we still have a long way to go. Amen. Amen. We want to talk about the Warriors winning the NBA championship in six games, as I said on Twitter, at uh, the HR review before the final started. And yes. I'm glad you I mentioned got that me. right. Yeah, you got that right. But we found something out. LBJ, as the, as the kids refer to him, couldn't do it by itself. Needed some help, and didn't have any. And let's let me just go on a tangent, if I may, gentlemen. And but but now, I, before you start, I, I will say this: I'm glad I got a chance to see him grow up in this game. Because if not for a phone call from you on a Friday night, I would have not seen him in high school, and would have just like watched him like everybody else from a from a distance and said, "Okay, let me figure this out." And but to watch that up close at a young age and then watch it grow to where it is right now, this is two team, Cleveland teams under uh, not a lot of help, not a lot of all-stars on the squad at the time when they when the team made it to the finals. And he basically went on a one-man tangent. I don't think we'll ever see this happen again, and it, in, in our, at least in my time. Where well, a young man would be capable of gathering up and carrying a team in a professional sport and getting them to the finals and then getting two games out of them. We'll see. I mean, keep in mind, 20 years ago, a dream in, at the Rockets, two championships, he didn't have any. Well, Especially uh, the first one, he didn't, have a, he didn't have a Hall of Famer like he, like he did when he had Clyde in the second one. Well, I'm looking at Moses. In, in, right. In, in, in but no, group, no, championships. Yeah, I know you're coming from. Because that, gr- that group – didn't even have they weren't even uh, uh, they were uh, forty one and forty two I think it was uh, 40, 42, 41, 41, Yep, mm-hmm. and they got in at the last minute right. on a Sunday night because I remember I was working that night and got a phone call and said set up for tickets in the morning they won just barely got in the playoffs and got all the way to the finals and people to this day still question Moses' mental capabilities capacities. When it came to saying, you know what, I can go and get four guys from Virginia, Fairfax, Virginia, and we just just walk all over Boston, yeah, with no problem. 
And people had a problem with that, but apparently he knew what he was talking about. He won two games of, over the Celtics. So, but and Walk had touched on it a little bit years ago. You go to HoustonRoundBarView.com or the HR.com and do a search in the search box for an article I wrote about LeBron James and that performance <laughs> from his AAU when he came to visit Pearland, Texas. Yep. Right up uh, 2000. How long ago? 2004, I believe. Was that it? Uh, but it is up there. It was one of my, when I was doing commentaries on a regular basis at the website, on my basketball for thoughts is what it was. <laughs> is that's that what they were? That's what I call them. <laughs> used to do those weekly or monthly when I had the uh, the urge and the fire to uh, write commentaries like that. Now I have podcast to share my fire with the listeners. But let's go to do a search on it because it's something I'm quite proud of looking back on it. Even had a uh, retweeted an article I did on my mentor, one of my mentors, who uh, anniversary of his passing, Ralph Wiley, wrote so, about okay. wrote about that one as well as a as a commentary. Uh, it's 2002, Basketball for Thought. The title is Just a Junior. When I first saw LeBron James play for the first time on Friday night, so um, you can go check that out. In 2004, it did a write up called I think something thanks Ralph about Ralph Ralph Wiley and and his influence on on my life. Growing up, seeing the Budweiser Sports Report on BET back in the day with, yes, yes, with Brian Burwell and Ralph Wiley and uh, Charlie Neal, you know, icons yeah. in uh, journalism, not just African-American journalism, sport journalism. Yep. So uh, I grew up, you know, with that, watching those gentlemen on, on Saturday afternoons, the Budweiser Sports Report. So, but shifting gears... I want to, just out of the blue, I'm talking about how LeBron carried this team to two wins without Kyrie and Kevin Love and the hate that he still receives from the Kobe lovers and the Michael Jordan lovers. And, you know, Michael Jordan never lost in the finals. Let me get he some worked facts. hard. Let me get some facts. Go ahead. Facts. Michael Jordan did not win any championship without Scottie Pippen. Hall of Famer. Michael Jordan did not win any championships, won three championships with Dennis Rodman, Hall of Famer. That's two Hall of Famers right there that Michael Jordan played with. LeBron's played with Cleveland Cavaliers, what, three times bottom of the finals? Two Hall of Famers on, on, the, on the team? No. None. 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 Zero. Irving is, has no. a lot of work to do. So as, as, exactly. All so all as, great, as great as Michael Jordan was, and I'm not stupid, okay, I know how great he was. Teams win championships. Mike didn't win championships until he got help. Capable and, and help. a coaching change. When when Mike was one-on-one, when it was just Michael and the Jordanaires, it was my different. team smacked that ass. And that's the bad boys. <laughs> yes, they did. Okay, because he didn't have. Frustrating. Because Pippen was not Pippen then. That's correct. And when Pippen became a great player, that's the native spats. They of, got rid of the Pistons. Right. Teams win championships, not just one great player. So all this hate about Mike Dever. Same can be said with Kobe in terms of and his Kobe won and with, I'm a Lakers fan. With Kobe won with Shaq. Kobe. But right? Kobe won with won three with Shaq. Yes. He yes. won with Hall of Famers. You gotta you need help to win championships. Winning championships is hard work. Yes. You don't just fall out of bed, win championship this year. 
I got no help. <laughs> I'm just going to win a championship, you know. Yeah, I'm just going to do what I do. You do what I do yeah. with no help. And I'm going to score all the points, go all, do all the rebounds, all assists. And you go down the list with championships and great players, even if you go further back than that, although a lot of people like to almost forget that history. But you know, the, you know Magic, the great, Bird, they all right. play with Magic played with Kareem, James Worthy, yeah. Hall See, of Famers. You know, his name came up yesterday in a conversation. Bird, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish, Dan Johnson, Danny Ainge. Somebody, those were MVP somebody, somebody brought up said about a Friday night in June when Cap couldn't make the trip and Magic had to play all five positions that night. 42 points. Yeah. Now, that's somebody I think is a better cons- comparison to LeBron. Yeah. And I think that's what it is. You have so many people because it, that are just focused on what they seen last, which is Michael, Jack, uh, Michael Jordan. And uh, Kobe Bryant, right, and so that kind of sticks, and they won championships uh, in a d- d- dynamically different way, right, than those that followed or had a luxury of looking at Magic Johnson. In a lot of ways, even Bird, where they moved the ball in right. a lot of different ways, and were able to score when necessary. Yeah, it's but much more physical, physical in the game, yeah, there. and they still scored Played more points, defense as well, shot better, <laughs> passed the ball, it's, ran the floor, yeah. all that against physical style. Your, your friend and ours. JL says, you know, that's the problem. Folks don't ain't, 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 they don't pay attention to shooting percentage, defensive effort, you know, guys around them that step coming off the bench and all that that in another situation probably could be starting elsewhere. But because the team is so great that start that's starting five, they can't get on the floor. You know, now if you don't get on the floor it's because the coach decided you didn't to, you, to you, take you, a different approach to this one question that has always stuck with me because i think the shooting percentage and as we go through this uh memory lane if you would what is causing some of this lack of the shooting percentage and where is it starting a couple from? things let me, let me go first okay. if i may sir a couple right. things now especially now is the emphasis on three-point shooting yeah it's okay to shoot 35 percent from three because it's worth one more point yes. than a two but to me, so it's going to be deceptive because your overall point, right, right, will look very. You're getting nice more, scoring more points for shooting further out and shooting less, yeah. shooting a lower percentage. And you know what I'm saying? You shoot the lower percentage, so we look at the lower the percentage, but it can be deceptive in somebody right. thinking they had a good game, right? Because their overall number in terms of what they scored. Uh, yes, Rick Pitino started it when he said you can shoot 33 percent from three. It's the same as shooting 50 percent from two. That's that's a kid here in town. Still enough to me. Uh, 33%. He's in administration now, but he was on one of my first local summer uh, traveling teams. He got an opportunity to play college ball because an assistant coach walked in the gym and saw him knock down five threes in a row in the old Lubbock Coliseum during the summer uh, tournament. Kid did okay, you know. He he rec- he he made himself representative. He represented the area well. Graduated, you know. And now he's in administration and all in one of the school districts here in the area. Uh, but that summer, and this was like in eighty eight, eighty nine, uh, when this happened. At the beginning of that, uh, that everybody's trying to figure out what are they going to do with this, you know, this 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 new shooting uh, area. That they brought to the down to the college level, how's it gonna work in, and how you gonna work that offense around that? And as I was doing the beginning, and we still hadn't figured it out. But like Coach Carr always said, I've always had them kind of guys. Everybody remember Shotgun Dutton? 
When Shotgun got the hand, got his hands on the ball, he was putting it up. Gaylord and I, we all talk about that. You know, guys would put the ball up, but the only reason the scores weren't like they were is because there was no line down. If you came across this court, got to the timeline, you had guys in position, and you just said, Coach said, take the shot, you took it. But guys were knocking down those shots. They worked on that. What I'm I, saying I, is, if, I, I don't think it look, worked. If you look at how they shot the ball, obviously the three point line wasn't there, but oftentimes they had much greater range. Yeah. But I would question in terms of where did they start their shot um, as they progressed, and then did they move out in terms of their range? Yeah. They yes. started with the yeah. mid range. No, they, they would start from you know, the mid range and move out. Then move out. Yeah. And so is this group not starting see, from the mid range? That's one which things. is deceptive in terms right. of how. Right. The three-point three so, line has eliminated the mid-range game. Yeah. You don't it's, see a play see mid-range game anymore. A, a perfect example was this. this but I guess this my question, I understand, and those are frameworks, but I'm not sure if they really answer the question in terms of why students, why young men or men in the game today. Women too. do. not. Oh, women as well. Do not shoot as well. And I'm saying. They don't it, practice. There, they they don't there, work. They don't work on it. It, it, they don't, no, no, they don't practice. They, no, no, they don't. No, no, they don't emphasize no, no. the mid-range game to them. It's not it's right. Not, not, that's that what I'm saying. Is, they don't so emphasize I, I guess that at all. That's the question I'm having: is the lack of the mid-range game or practicing to really increase your percentage or your Percentage-y. ability to shoot, starting with the mid-range game and moving out. Does that, in your estimation, determine yes. your ability to become a better shooter? Yes. Because now you understand what what your range is. You you know what you know what you figure at on the floor, either from the corner, top of the key, or from the wing. And uh, you understand, okay. But I guess I'm saying a range is just a, a range. Yeah, obviously, the further you sh- you come out, that you're gonna fall off in terms of your shooting percentage. But as we look back historically, we had guys that could shoot. Period. They shot. And so the question I'm having is. They started maybe with a mid-range game, and then as they got in strength or whatever, right. they pulled back. But, but essentially was, their shooting percentage was fluid throughout that, and so they could shoot. So just because we're saying the mid-range game and the three-point, it doesn't really explain why the shooting or the eye perception con- that you need. Their perception has a lot to do not, with it. It's not there. But, but, but the more, other thing, though, and I guess – and I'm just talking it from from player and a, and a coach's perspective. Doc, a lot of these youngsters, that's the first thing that they want to do. They want to start off with is, is, is shoot threes. Shoot threes. Yeah. They don't they don't want to take the time to like develop, you know, to like work on getting a form and all to get strength and all to, to step out and take that shot. The, so and, and, are you saying that they're shooting three so early? Yes. Right. That their form, right. Because of the 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 strength that they have to right. put to shoot a three, is creating a bad form. Prong. And as and they, they get, continue that form, even though they get the strength right. later, but by and, the end their form is still. Let, let, me, let me say this, if okay. I may, sir. When I was that makes some sense. Yeah. I when like I was it. growing up, I like that. at the park, hooping at the park. You know, you'd see Bird, Larry Bird, who was one of the greatest shooters in NBA history, shooting threes, shooting effortlessly. Right. I go to the park. I go stand out 20 feet. I'm 10 years old trying to make one of these and being thrilled to death when one out of 100 of them goes in, you know, because my form is just shot to hell. Right. Until older kids, Sean Gay, 
Remember Sean Gay? Yeah. Older kids at the park. Little fella, why are you standing way out here? You cannot make this shot yet. Get closer and take shots you can make. And then as you get older, start taking steps back and work on your shot. Improve your shot. Because right now, this shot is wasting your time. Because your form is all messed up. You cannot make this shot. You want to take this shot in the game. Get closer, work on your shot. And then, as you get older, it gets stronger. Then your shot work on other stuff. You keep the form. Yeah. Now you have the strength to be able to step that's, that's, oh. and, and you know, see, that's how and, I And, and in the process, too, with the form being bad, and that's the only thing that you've worked on from out in that range, as you've gotten stronger, now, that's why they call them bricks. You're just pounding the ball up against the backboard. Pounding the ball up against the rim. And the ball just bouncing all over the place. And off. That's why you get these long rebounds. Teams are going back down the other end. Lay up. When folks, when teams set up in a zone and they know you want to shoot threes, they do that for a reason. And especially in the NBA, some of these teams, they will wait on you and the ball never touches the floor going the other end. Two passes, bam, bam. And yeah, they the back. Miami Heat with LeBron James oh. and, De- and Wade. It was, it was notorious for moving the ball and scoring after. Yep. And they just wait on you. Just wait on you to go get the ball and come on back. And they don't even have to play defense, but half court. They're not even working hard. So I'm glad, in a sense, the Warriors won the championship because their style of play, they played with tempo. They played with a bench. They passed the ball. They played defense quite as it's kept. Some folks think, you know, the West Coast boys run out them, run them down the floor. No, you're right. They played great defense. And they actually got better in terms of the team. And they were versatile. Yeah, guys who were skilled in most, yes, you know, multiple multiple positions. Wildcat, growing up, for example, how often did you hear the term talking with uh, Clyde Frazier and Earl Pearl? They were guards. They were guards. They weren't point guards. Rebounding guards. You know, they weren't point guards, shooting guards. They, they did both. Well, yep, yeah. yep. Yeah. You know, if, if you have skills – and you're versatile enough to excel at one thing, that's great. Steph Curry is what? He's not a true point guard. No. Nope. He's a scorer yep. who can pass the ball against teammates involved. Yep. John Stockton was a true point guard. Oh, man. But Stockton can also make shots when he need to. Nash. And Rocket fans know from Nash. clutch buckets that he. Nash was another one. See, see that's how and, the and game is it's, it's evolving, but it's getting back to the point where it's more effective is you have – Skilled players at all five positions that can get things done. Two two kids that's, that's coaching it. Or one is is Jock still still uh, has his coaching job? He's still there. <laughs> he's clinging, but he's still there. <laughs> and I asked that question. No, no, yeah, yeah, I know. Yeah, he's brought now, in some talent this coming season, though. So okay, okay yeah, so, so we're yeah. gonna find out. So, yeah, now they're, he, still the, they're still Memphis still in the top four, the top tier of okay. the American. All right, now U of H is on the, in the second tiers apparently according to CBS. Sports.com for their own rise. They, they got to get there. We'll see. But, but Jock Vaughn is another kid that I coached against in some, summer league ball, uh, watched him play. The only thing it, it, that used to bother me about his game was he would get airborne and make passes because of his height. But he, he had been allowed to do that growing up. When you get in the league, you can't get airborne and make passes because at the time when he played, they still had – Hand check rules. Guys would bump you. 
You know, they wouldn't even let you get in the stands now. You couldn't get the ball around. They'd get in front of you and just, just, just block you out. <laughs> the other kid person is young Mr. Kidd. And I never will forget the first time we heard Tracy about Kidd, him. Mr. Kidd, who played a college game here when we brought Cal in. Yeah. To Coach TSU Moore. and H&PE. Yeah. Now for Grisby on that squad. You talking about it. Packed. You talking about seeing I don't care what nobody on said. the floor. For, uh, yes. They let a department store handle the ticket and the marketing. It got done. <laughs> yes, Doc. <laughs> it got done. But I'm going to tell you something. To watch him play and how, to watch that kid grow up and be coaching in the league, those two for sure, is it's just amazement. And when I look at the two, what they capable of, well, especially with Jason Kidd, what he was capable of doing with one, two, two different teams, getting to the uh, – uh, Getting late, uh, long in the, in the playoffs. That's in the Mavericks. Uh, yeah, and the, the next team was just got derailed when uh, when Pedrage got. The, the, well, they, well they, you know they've they went against the Lakers, Shaq and Kobe. That, that, but that wasn't gonna happen. So, but now, this is getting back to, to to my point, those two kids worked on their game every day. But now both of them are coaching on the on the pro level. It's just interesting. Oh, and by the way. Young, young bird, not not Willie, uh, younger uh, the baby boy. He's uh, coaching in the DL League out on the West End, out on the West Coast. Um, uh, I see his face. Yeah, Willie Bird's brother. I get, yeah, yeah, I'll get in a second. Uh, ran in his mom and all that. They're doing the playoffs now. She told me that, that he's out there uh, coaching, and I'm happy for him. And I'm not gonna mention the team and all that he's he's playing because he. He's happy. He's got a job, and all. he wants to get into college coaching. But he's happy being in the in the league and all. Jermaine Bird. Jermaine. Oh, there you go. There you go. Uh, but I watched them two kids that grow up, and it was it's just interesting. Didn't they both go to Reagan? Yep. You're where your friends from? Yeah. Shout out to Reagan <laughs> High School. Hope you're listening. <laughs> I know you are. You always listen to these podcasts. Yeah. Thank you yeah, very much. Yeah. You can find them both. Yeah, but shout out to Reagan. You, you can find them both. You can Coming find them both. This is go online. Trip. Go online. Gra- they respond. They respond. Give a shout out to Reagan. Heaven help me. They, they did it three <laughs> times right there. In the heights. So, but yeah. Oh, yeah. Gotta love him. Gotta love him. Uh, I want to touch on this because we touched on uh, Texas Southern is making a trip to China. That Doc. I was going to make that. I was going to uh, add that on that. Yeah, but Doc. Yes, yes, Doc. It's not because, going because we trip. expect you. To, we expect you to, to go and enlighten us <laughs> on these trips. I stand. I'll be honest with you because I uh, want to know. I want to know. <laughs> Inquiring back. My alma mater, U of H, is also going to China. They're going to go in mid-August. They're going to compete, and this info is courtesy of our man Jeff Conrad. But also on my oh, so that's what blog. Was, that's what that was that day when you when you you text me late. So, yep. Yeah. Okay. But uh, it's on my men's who's blog. You can go to thehr.com and, and see the men's who's blog. But the University of Houston men's basketball program will visit China in mid-August to compete in four games and enjoy, this from the release, and enjoy the culture of the Anhui province. Oh. Yes. Houston will face the, the Chinese national team. And, boy, I don't want to mess this up. The don't. Jiangsu Dragons of the Chinese Basketball Association during its near two-week stay in Anhui province. Under NCAA rules, 
teams are allowed to take part in foreign tours during the summer once every four years. Okay. The Cougs right. will be allowed 10 team practices in, inside Hoffines starting on July 27th before leaving for China. Quote from Coach Kelvin Sampson of the Cougs, this is a great opportunity for our program to grow. In many ways, most of our guys have never left the United States, so to fly halfway around the world to enjoy another culture will be an educational experience. A trip like this gives our team 10 practices before we leave, and that will be a great head start to our season when we begin our team practices in October. Samson goes on to say, with six returning players and six newcomers who are going who are going to make an impact, this is a chance for our players to build chemistry and get to know one another away from basketball, end quote. Doc, talk about the cultural education of what, in the context of, Athletics being uh, uh, being another teaching tool to these young guys, uh, uh, like Coach Sampson said, guys that have never been out of that out of their environment, and they uh, and they get an opportunity to to, to do that it's culturally and language uh, deal with language barriers. Absolutely, at a minimum, I think you have opportunities to see the basic framework of uh, cultural nuances um, that many of these individuals on the team have not traveled outside of the country, so this is the first time that they travel outside of the country, so it means they're going to get passports, um, which is a learning framework, too, of what you need to be able to travel. And now they have a passport. Obviously, all they have to do is keep it updated Mm -hmm. and go through that uh, framework. So that becomes a learning issue in itself. And then just emerging yourself within a culture, I'm sure they're going to give them some basic cultural nuances that they should know about the culture, but also understanding um, the political landscape of a different culture is one thing that they'll probably get some general uh, thing. I hope they get a chance to actually go and emerge themselves in the culture going, whether it's like the Great Wall of China or some other different things. I'm glad you mentioned that, sir. Is it in that province? In addition to the competition, the Cougars will enjoy several cultural sites on their trip. Following the competition's uh, schedule on, on August 18th, the team will visit Yellow Mountain, an area renamed after the Yellow Emperor uh, Wang Di in 747 wow. A.D. Several Buddhist temples have been built there, and it has become a tourist attraction with its beautiful scenery. The team will also visit Ji Di Hong, a village built during the Northern Song Dynasty from 960 to 1127 A.D. Built in the shape of an ox, the village enjoys more than 900 years of history. That's, that's extremely important. But to be honest with you, you'll probably find out, um, any of you have watched, I'm sure all of us have watched, and I'm sure many of the listeners have watched the the documentary of the Fab Five when they had mm-hmm. a chance to do their travel. I think you'll find they that to, a lot they of – Italy, I think. They yeah. went to Italy. Um, you'll find out um, that a lot of the students at first may not show, and some of them to some degree may not want to actually even go. Um, once they go and they immerse themselves, they'll find a way to have f- fun. But oftentimes they won't find out until maybe five, ten years later how great that experience was. Gotcha. Um, U of H has a chance that they also have some uh, – at this point it doesn't look like they have any NBA quality talent. Uh, it's probably on its way as Coach Sampson would like. But I'm sure they believe they have some – professional talent that right. can play overseas. Right. Well, this is also a chance to kind of merge and see oh, okay. uh, what okay. kind of lifestyle that will be and that so they can make that 
experienced a lot more. It's it, you would think it would open up some more doors for those that have that ability to go across seas to maybe consider going to China when they might think about going somewhere else. Um, so it opens up a world of different opportunities. And as a college student, all of us that had those opportunities and those that uh, considering it, one thing that is beautiful about college is not just the opportunity to earn a degree that's supposed to put you in a position to be able to earn an employment which is obviously is necessary mm-hmm. in this country or around the world in a lot of cases, is the fact that it also gives you a chance to grow and learn about yourself and emerge in other people's talents, other mm-hmm. people's gifts, other people's knowledge, which uh, should make you a more rounded individual. That's about, it's all about education, folks. Yeah, you, I mean, we talked about that earlier, the lack of education yeah. and where it can take you uh, in, ter- in terms of despairs is the fact that the ability to get education, and sometimes, oftentimes, too many times, we think about education in very a formal setting in terms of earning, a, whether that's a high school diploma, a college uh, bachelorate degree, or a master's degree, and ultimately for some, the doctoral degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, with that framework, you also have those lessons in education that you lose, that you learn just by cultural emergency and outside of the classroom. So I think anytime you get a chance to do that, I tell students all the time, take a great chance to do that. And as we look at this in terms of the various cultures out there, oftentimes, as I said again, you have a, a lot of African-American players that play on this team. Many of them have, will not have traveled outside of playing sports. And this time they also are traveling in mm-hmm. terms of playing sports. Yeah. But the chance for people of color to get outside of this country, to see – the world in a different framework is going to be interesting. Now, there are some cultural challenges in terms of China and how they will be perceived and things like that. So it'll be interesting to see uh, them understanding that as well. As I touched on a little earlier about the Cougars being the next tier in the American Athletic Conference, CBS Sports' John Rothstein, and uh, he's right up, he's, it's almost that time. College basketball season practices. You know, we got summer sessions. Football on the road. Whatever, mix, man. Whatever. Doc getting ready to go to Birmingham, and here we go. Houston is the, Houston is the sleeper team in the oh, American Athletic before Conference. Before we get into that, we got to give a shout out to the College World Series. Now. No, we don't. No, we don't. No, we don't. No, we don't. Not yet. Not yet. Let me finish reading about my Cougars. Y'all talk about <laughs> no, no fucking baseball. You know, you see that? that there no. you go. There you so, go. It, that's not. That's not me and Doc's fault. That you. That, that you. No, yeah. As soon as I read this, I can discuss baseball. It's uh, Virginia Vanderbilt playing. In the yeah, all, I'm, all I was going to say, I'm not going to get into a great deal of thought because we're going to bless you, give you a chance to go out. All I was saying is that Vanderbilt and Virginia will play in the College World Series final see, starting with Monday. I didn't know that, didn't I? See? You Virginia, I didn't know that, right? in terms see? of ACC, they have a chance uh, to win first championship in 60-plus years, it seems like. Yep. Many years. And Vanderbilt is – holding up for the SEC to see if they can continue one of their runs of being in this championship. So it'll be interesting. Virginia Not LSU. lost in the championship the last couple of years. Right, didn't you? So, and I told you that. Yeah, you did pick yeah. LSU. And you talked about them home runs. I told you there'd be a couple of more home runs this series. Yeah. But pitching at, at, at the TCU's pitching played out. Yes, it did. It, from, and, and I asked them about it. It went a long said. way. They yeah. got to the – And I asked them about that. The, and, and every coach, I, the two coaches that I talked to said the same thing. They're huge. Yeah. 
Yeah. So they can get it. They can do a lot. Yeah. It's, it, it's scary to watch. Now, to your credit, Vanderbilt has top aces too that have gone in the major league draft, right? And that'll do it for our baseball sick. And Astros got that. Somebody stuck out talking about the Astros. Astros got got that number two guy. Somebody stuck out mentioned is what I said in the podcast about TCU and, and their height. Yeah, right. Yes, you did. You did. Yeah, to yeah, your yeah. credit, you yeah. know, that's right. I could. I listen to baseball. Folks, you need to see the look on his face. Like, yeah, I know what I'm talking about. Yeah, right. I listen yeah, to him. Yeah. We're not saying he doesn't know baseball. Let's make sure we. I'm get not saying to the, y'all to the. But there the are some folks. No, I'm who, just who, saying to the listeners. Who, 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 who I want to make sure I listen. So yeah, saying it's not that he doesn't know baseball, college or professional. He just the fact is he just has a disdain for it. There you go. That's the word. That's the word. That's well put, Doc. Thank you very much. Yeah, that being PC. So, but yeah, that was cool. I got no problem talking baseball on the podcast. You know, baseball. We, this is what we do. We talk. We talk about yeah. real issues, sports, yeah. baseball, Could've basketball, gone, football, but I decided, I all decided, those things. I, so yeah, I needed a break. Was that softball? That's what we do on the KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc podcast. But John Rothstein believes that Houston is the sleeper team in the American Athletic Conference, and they should be. Here's the, here's his summary. The Cougars went 13-19 last year in Kelvin Sampson's first season, and other than an opening night win at Murray State, they rarely looked capable. That will change very soon. Sampson brings in two high-level additions in Purdue transfer Ronnie Johnson and former Oregon wing Damian Dotson, who figure to be immediate contributors while freshman point guard Galen Robinson is he a junior? Is he the one we called? Yes. Junior? Yes. That's what I thought. He didn't have that and, here. And he yes. loves Galen Robinson Jr. He, he, he sure wants, does. He wants to come there and make changes. And he's part of the new era. I'm going to talk, touch on that in a second. You, yeah. you lead into it. Galen Robinson Jr. is considered a steal in most recruiting circles. He sure is. The six-foot Robinson Jr. is a pass-first floor general in the Fred Van Fleet mold who should add to the teams to this team's perimeter depth along with Juco, Juco import Rob Gray. Throw returnees like Devontae Pollard, Dan Rad Chicken Knowles, and L.J. Rose, as well as a coach like Sampson, and you got a potential headache for opposing teams in the American. Expect the Cougars to be right behind SMU, UConn, Cincinnati, and Memphis, end now, quote. Now, the key to that all working out in a perfect euphoric situation is L.J. staying healthy. Yes. Now, but the folks that are coming in, that, that's coming in, that's gonna bring help on nights when when LJ is is, is like injured, not uh, uh, where where you can't give a hundred percent. There are people that can come in and help, and not the the, the product drop off won't be humendous, won't be off the cliff, because like, because it, it's been right, off the cliff like it was last year. Yeah, they were yeah. injured and, and only had had a walk on point guard. You know, it wasn't. It was, and wasn't it, even a point guard, really. He, and he and was Coach a, Sampson had to like work miracles from the sideline right. in situation, you know, time on the floor, chemistry wise, and against certain teams, he just it was only he was only limited to what he could do. Now he's got options, and that's you know this is year two of laying the foundation for the Cougs and Coach Sampson making a move the program. So this is another level of the foundation. Then year three would be better. And so on. So this year will be better than last year. And you, you, you have quality depth is improving. But touching on Galen Robinson Jr., he won. He was a recipient of the Gavi Lewis Award this year. And he should have been. And in pictures, he also won 
a few other state awards in nearly every photo I've seen with him receiving an award. He has a cougar fingers up. He's happy about being one. He exactly. He, I, folks, you heard KJ and I mention time and time again. Kids didn't, they weren't interested. Didn't want to. U of H was an option, and it was a, a last option. In some of them, face literally. And it was, and, and, and there are a few. There were a few. They actually said they weren't even on our list. I got that from a parent. I was like, okay, let me not venture down that road. So, it, yeah, it's good. Galen, he is somebody who wants to come to U of H exactly. and make change. And there are That's other young do. people who feel the same way. And those young people will help establish a new winning era in U of H athletics, football, basketball, men's and women's basketball. Oh, football going to make the change this year. I saw Coach Huey. I, I, I can guarantee you that. What do you think they're going to go this year? How they, many wins? They will. Let's see. What did they get? What was the wins last year on them? Uh, Three? Oh, no, no. They they went They went. To, they went to a bowl because they had the, oh, yeah. the, the so ridiculous comeback, seven, right? Yeah. yeah. They were content for the conference championship. That's significant. And it will, and it's because of the mentality of the staff that is there now. Don't get it twisted. People were let go for a reason. There is a mentality on campus now, coaching-wise, that's different. It hadn't been that way in a while. Literally. Folks can say what they want to, but... This year, there won't be a losing on opening day, opening home game today, this season. That won't happen. That it's, I, I just don't see that. Now with the coaching staff, they've got to put together right now. And they're bringing in more and more talent. And he's not afraid to go and get until somebody signs up and goes to school elsewhere or some kid flat out tells him no, they own him. They own him. And that's different. From past. Yes. Touching on players who, you know, want to be at U of H, Coach Ronald Huey tweeted that, uh, let me read a tweet exactly here. Got one of the freshmen here. He has it on Instagram. And the young lady's name is Sanicia Newman. She's now, I think this is what, first summer session, school summer session about to start. So she's in town. She's in, in her room. Uh, she's from Cedar Hill. Interesting. You know, you know Cedar Hill. Interesting, yeah. This is a girls' high school factory. Yeah, I just left Cedar Hill with my um, niece. Shout out to her. I, and, and I'm, 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 uh, graduating and going to East Central behind a father that uh, won a NAIA national championship at East Central and was part of the reason that the institution decided to move to the NCAA Division Two. So he's very excited and uh, wish her much success. Good luck and, to her. And, she and, moves on. And Doc, I'm gonna ask this question on the air now. Brother can cook too. The middle brother Chael can cook. He he did well on the barbecue. I was teasing him and said, "Man, you cooking like these Dallas folks." 
He said, oh, no, that's an insult. Can he really cook? For whatever that is, people talk about that now. He took that People take that and like, okay, they're in the suburbs. They ain't in downtown. You know, they ain't South. They ain't on Cliff and all what they really cook. He can do it on the podcast. Okay. I have to give it up to Be sure and tell him you missed him on the podcast. I will. I'm yeah. him on the list. And tell oh, him yeah. he need, he need to that say, is Chael, say Neek May Leak. He need to, yeah. Brother he, number he, two in the middle. He need to dry ice it and send some. Yeah. That's, that's all he has. coming up there. Y'all might want to get on him. One of them, he went to to the UT camp. He's mm. Texas A&M camp. He's, mm. uh, there'll be a. Sophomore, sophomore he, he, don't come, yeah, he need to come to your base camp then. That's what I'm saying. So yeah, he, he needs to be invited. So he, yeah, okay. He, he's open now. He's What's his a, name? Uh, Put a name out there. We can get it, Coach yeah. Herman, because I know some U of A folks. This podcast actually, now. Twins. So yeah, what's Not his name? Identical twins. Okay. Kobe and Corey Covid. Okay. okay, no problem. All right. Um, I'll make mention of that because I'm going by campus. Now this, this is week. a family of athletes. I'm the only one that couldn't play that. Felt, but found out very early that my gift was to be in the books. It goes back to 1925 with Ben right. L. Calvin Sr. Right. played and at we, Riley And we're waiting for that, yes, right. sir. That was an All-American from the Pittsburgh Courier. Uh, was an all-conference player in the SWAC when Wiley was in the SWAC back then. Uh, his his son, Ben L. Calvin Jr., actually won national championships the last Black College National Championship that Prairie View won in the 63-64 season. He was part of that team. His son, so this is third generation, Ben actually played at OU and played in the pros, Philadelphia, San Diego. Last stop was in Baltimore. Then on the other side, you have my father, Japheth Pitt Cavill Jr., that actually was the uh, first African-American to integrate uh, the Catholic high school, Riker High School in Waco. Uh, so he was part of that. Um, Would have had a chance to play at OU uh, Talent or Texas uh, as um, he tore up his knee. In fact, he was in UT before he went to OU uh, to meet my mom. Thankfully, that case to happen. But sad story there is the fact that he was actually on campus when the horrible massacre took place. Um, out of the tower? Out of the tower. Oh, he was actually goodness. in the library, and as history would have it came out and saw the bodies there with the sheets covered on them because they had them hunkered down and told them to stay, and they didn't know what was going on until they came out. Wow. Parents automatically uh, came and <laughs> got him from campus, and long story, he left there. But his offspring, Cheo, played at East Central, just talked about him winning a NIA championship. This after he started at LSU as a walk-on, left there, and went to East Central. Uh, and then the baby brother, Kwame Cavill, actually played at University of Texas, was a freshman there when Ricky Wa- Ricky Williams, excuse me, won the Heisman Trophy. Set freshman wide receiver records until later that were broken. He had still one on the books for catches there as a freshman there, um, and he went on to play professional level, play at Vo- Buffalo, and played several years in the Canadian Football League, winning some Great Cup championships up there. Um, so you have that talent in the family there, Michael, who's. Uh, half-brother to my father, played at University of Texas. His son started at OU, now is back playing at Texas uh, UTSA. And so we'll see if the legacy continues. So for those that might want an early glimpse of that Cavill, Cavill last name, Corey and Kobe. Yes, sir. Sounds good. Thank Cedar you very Hill. much. You got a talented family. So, yeah, Cedar Hill, yeah. Uh, that just tied in that Cedar Hill points. So well, okay, you'll, you'll like this. Yeah, Cedar Hill, Sanisha Newman, 5'10 guard. Hear that? 5'10 guard. 
Yeah. Wildcat. Hey. Ranked number 57 in the nation by ESPN Hoop Girls. Going to U of H. Okay. We'll be at U of H a freshman in the fall. She was MVP her high school senior year at Cedar Hill. Average 15, 6, and 2. So she has some talent. They put her, made an Instagram picture of her and the coaching staff, and I simply responded, time to go to work. Because no, I'm media, <laughs> but when it comes to my alma mater, in basketball specifically, women's basketball right now, I am tired, sick and tired, of a certain school in the American Athletic Conference rolling through unscathed year after year. <laughs> no, so, no pressure. So no at pressure. some point, <laughs> no I want to see someone start putting some crooked numbers in the L column for that team. At least push them. You know, because teams are not even pushing them. So we need to raise the bars raised. You know what a bar is. It's time for the rest of y'all, U of H, Coach Huey, Coach Dillard, Coach Justice. Raise up recruiting level, talent, bring the talent in there, and start narrowing that vast Grand Canyon-sized gap between that team and the rest of the teams in the American Athletic Conference. Gentlemen. You haven't told anybody who you are, Rocket, who you are, because the last thing you want to do is talk about the NBA draft coming up on Thursday. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's going to be interesting. Uh, I am Jerry Lee Woodley, Jr., Fifth Ward Wildcat. You can find me on, uh, on the social platforms, Facebook, Twitter, TweetDeck, J.L. Woodley, 1, Jerry L. Woodley, Jr., you can find me YouTube, SoundCloud, Blogger, AKSV, the CSR, the College Sports Report. Doc? Yes, this is Dr. Cavill, associate professor now. Thank you. <laughs> um, you can find me on the social media platforms of Twitter, Instagram, Facebook at Dr. Kenyatta Cavill. D-R-K-E-N-Y-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. D-R-K-E-N-Y-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. I do a show you can listen live every Tuesday on KCOHradio.com. KCOHradio.com. That's 1230 a.m. for local listeners from 7 to 8 every Tuesday. That's Central Standard Time. And if you're not able to listen to it live, you can go to SoundCloud and get Dr. Cavill's Inside HBCU Sports Lab. It's a sports radio show that looks at the HBCU sporting scene. Uh, as well as this summer, we're looking at the business of sports and how that relates to HBCU sports and affects HBCU sports. And we're moving to some other platforms where you'll be able to get us as well. And I am KG of the Houston Round Ball Review website, Houston Round Ball Review. Dot com. Ah, yes, I'm, I am going off on another tangent. The U of H women's hoops have just tweeted another picture. Uh, another one of the freshmen that are in town, Saritha Hawkins. Nice. So it's time to get to work. Their, their hashtag is chasing greatness. So I hope to be around when they achieve that greatness. But, yes, I am KG with Houston Round Bar Review, www.houston.com roundballreview.com our podcast just retweet, retweeted that yes nice our podcast of the KG 5th Ward Wildcat and Doc 
podcast are on iTunes. A new one that I just they they sought me out. We are not a part of the uh, podcast directory, as well as iTunes and SoundCloud.com. So we're branching out there, uh, listeners. Don't be shy. Y'all seem to be shy about tweeting us and asking us questions or posting questions on our Facebook page. So if you can face me up, ask me a question. You can also do it online. Everybody else does it. Exactly. So go to the KG, Fifth Ward Wildcat, and Doc Facebook page and ask us questions there. Or individually, seek us on Twitter and hit us up that way and and talk about uh, what, what you want to hear us discuss in these podcasts. Real quick, two things before I get into the draft. Coming up Thursday, the Rocks have the 18th pick. We have a gentleman from the area who is going to be drafted in the top Hyman. 10. Hyman? Mr. Justice Winslow. Top 12? Top 10. I think top 10 is safe. Okay. Uh, anywhere between probably 5 and 10. Is it, is it because... Johnson Fagan has enough, him at 7. Not enough. Going to Denver. Uh, <laughs> European players are... Uh, uh, some seniors didn't didn't pan out. He's that good, man. <laughs> oh no! Nah. He had a, he had a great tournament. He's versatile, and I think more and more the Warrior style of play is, and is getting more more. Um, Big Winslow, I'm saying that for a reason. You, I hadn't run into you since the tournament's been over. That's I, and I, that's the reason I said that. Now you, I get some contact from you because so, you'll be asking the question, man, what you talking about? So yeah, that's that's fine. But yeah, we'll justice. If he goes seven to the Nuggets, that'll be one spot before uh, my Pistons pick at eight. I was kind of hoping he falls to number eight. But Johnson, he's gonna fit in well though because he his his, his game. He's it, not. He he it, is, a, is a is a tweener. He is an and, improving outside shooter, and he's coachable. But he exactly, and he's he is willing a, to learn. He's a very good defensive player, and he's versatile. And that's where the NBA is now. You got to have guys who can do more more than one thing and defend more than one position. And Justice can do that. Now, the playoffs also showed one other thing, and it's been it's been talked about. And I'm as I go back and kind of like go through games and all, because now with the NBA TV and the online, you can you can avoid all the the rift and just direct in on post play. There was not a lot of bigs on the floor in this final. And that concerns me to a point, but because two guys right now, Timothy Mozgov for the Cavaliers, uh, Coach Blatt barely played him in certain stretches. Sometimes he played him and he produced. Then you see big man Festus Azili, who played well in Game Six in the championship clinching game. He was a havoc on the boards, putbacks, and rebounding. And of course, but Mozgov, Mozgov was in in the game. He controlled the paint. Yep. The Warriors didn't want anything to do with him coming down the lane. It was, was it was almost like fear. So he, and I ain't he seen challenged that in a shots, time. he changed shots. So the role of big men is evolving in the NBA. But if you have talented, athletic big men, that's like Towns. That exactly. Carlton Towns is going to probably go first to Minnesota. See, that's where now we're getting into the question of how will slower big men like Jalil Okafor, how will they be able to perform and excel in this brand of NBA basketball. Well, it's more athletic big men and small ballers in. But personally, if you have I'm going into the Olajuwon, Akeem Olajuwon uh, viewpoint. People talked about Get the that. ball to the big man. 
And turn it blue. You get a low post score. The teams will have to make a choice. Either we're going to let this man kill us down low, one on one, or double team, which will open up the perimeter game. Then you got to have shooters. Yeah. So double team, swing the ball around. You have guys who can knock down what? Three point yeah. shots. Yes. So that's an easy way to get three point open three point looks is having a dominant low post game. Now, yes. Yes. San Antonio, over time, that's how they've lasted as long as they have thriving in this league because of that, uh, that effect. You put Duncan down on the post or uh, at the top of the uh, free throw line, he creates habit with whoever is guarding him one-on-one because they have no way of stopping that left hand when he gets the ball down in the post because there's so many things. He's what they call in baseball a five-tool player. Right. He can do a lot of things at, this, at that position. And when he does, San Antonio looks totally unstoppable because get, he gets a rebound, they get the ball and go. I see very few fast breaks get started from a rebound, a, a, a post player being in position, rebound, pass up court, One and pass. everybody's running. Yeah. I, I let I, passes. I, I, some I, I, of those that can do those outlet uh, passes. West Unsell, really, to me. I like Jaleel Okafor. I, I don't like doing I hate when other outlets do it and other people do it, media, fans, they compare players, but Jaleel Okafor reminds me of Tim Duncan. Tim mm-hmm. was not a quick guy, great athlete. You know, he wasn't the most athletic big man. True, but he would. He still does beat you with fundamentals. He will mm-hmm. bank shot you, low post yep. move you, open under you. You know, whatever <laughs> it takes to get the job done, score that bucket. Yeah, he's gonna do he it. He would do it. Okafor is the same way. That's, I see. I see that. You know. I, Delil has to go to the right team, right coach will utilize that and not expect him to be a Kim Lajuan right. or some quick athletic big man because that's not him. Because right. Mikael does that with Dwight Howard. He doesn't because he, he'll tell you that in a heartbeat. He ain't Moses. He ain't a king. He is Dwight. Right. We working with that. That's what we working with. Them two guys not coming through that door. <laughs> that's what we got to work with. That's what we working with. And when he said that, you know, the, the question never came up again because people had he had to basically get that out of the media's mind. That's not what you look at. That's not who he is. That's not him. I'm going to reference two mock drafts because I'm probably not going to have time to do mock drafts on my website uh, before the draft on Thursday. But Chad Ford, ESPN.com, has the Rockets at 18, selecting Tyus Jones from Duke. And then Fagan from the Chronicle has the Rockets taking Jerrion Grant. Is it because? 6'4", guard from Notre Dame, much more athletic than Tyus Jones. Tyus Jones, is you saw. Yeah. Duke in the NCAA tournament is, well, heck, you saw Grant as well help lead Notre Dame far into the tournament and should have beat Kentucky. Um, you were that close to beat Kentucky. Different kind of guards, but you can YouTube Mr. Grant on some of his, his dunks, Sports Center top 10 dunks, and one of them looked like he jumped off a trampoline and was, <laughs> was, was dunking. It was like his whole, like his waist was above the so, rim. He was so, so high up in the air. I mean, it was saying, just ridiculous. My man was looking down at the, at the at down the barrel every time he was yeah, getting that, the floor. Yeah, I'm serious. This dunk looked like he was looking down at the rim. Like he was still going up when he slammed the ball. Like he thought about it. Oh yeah, I need I need to dunk the ball while I'm still rising up past the rim here. I mean, that's how awesome this dunk was from coming from from the sideline. So we'll see. I think it's safe to say that the Rockets are going to go 
pick a guard with the 18th pick, you know, barring trades, moving up, moving down. I think they're going to go get a guard with their first round pick. Daryl Morey is not shy about, about, about making deals. And well, of course, you know, you expect, everybody expects them, I think they have the 38th pick in uh, the second round, or the 8th pick, second round, 30th overall. Not shy about, uh, oh, not 38, let's see, 32. Not shy about taking a international player, so don't be no, surprised. They, they worked well last, you know, when they picked uh, international Clint, Clint Capella, yeah. who on draft night told the media, in the uh, media lounge, media workroom at, at Toyota Center, I expect to be over in the. I expect to be in the NBA this season. This is like minutes after the Rockets telling us that they were planning to keep Clint overseas for some seasoning, and Clint <laughs> told us, uh, "No, I am going to be in the NBA this season." Uh, and soon thereafter, you see Clint was over here, yeah. summer league, and then yeah. D league, yeah. and then you saw come playoff time. You yeah. can see the flashes yeah. of his skills and athleticism that he can hopefully provide, spending more time with Akeem uh, during the offseason, this offseason, and seeing what he could do for the Rockets. Sometimes you need them kind of players. You need them kind of guys coming in. So the Rockets do it. Yes, yeah, see, exactly. See, that, what he told us. I know I, y'all the quotes. The quotes, I mean, because he told us, and I have quotes in the, my blog, go to the blog and see it for yourself. There were folks who were like, really? this kid is crazy. Uh, he's just arrogant and he lost his damn mind. Who is he going to come over here? <laughs> here, he you, Ro, you know, and talk about coming into the league and, and playing. Sure enough, you see why he was confident enough in his abilities. And you need some. You need players like that, especially the Rockets need players like that now. who believe in themselves and to get things. And he wants to talk about justice is coachable. You need guys who, who have talent, God-given talent, but who are, who are also willing to work on their craft and get better. And that's and what that is Clint Capella. That's what Justice does on a regular basis. He works on his craft. And that's what the NBA needs. That's what college needs. You need players, women's game as well, who want to work on their craft and get better year after year. Right. We're going to end the podcast, but next podcast you may want to touch on North Carolina Situation, situation. Women's basketball. That that's their, a lot of that's a their lot of. Star, their two, what, elite recruiting class from 2013 is gone. gone. All four of them They're, are gone. Yeah. Now that I read, they that have, I read, they have requested transfers and been granted that's, transfers. So all four of them deep. are gone. But but Doc, it, it's, the worst part about that is it involves it was the academic counselor for them. Oh yeah, yeah. The, it, it's. It's not one only the, one of the key figures in the whole scandal. Yeah, is the academic was counselor. counselor for the women's basketball team. Yeah, so maybe connection. So those young ladies getting that conversation. Yeah, you know, you had one transfer, Tennessee, one transfer at South Carolina, and I think one transfer, maybe two transfers at South Carolina, and then you have one left. It hasn't made a decision what she's going to transfer. But all, and I saw from the 2013 class, and they're all gone now. Poor Tiger Woods, so. Far off the pace in terms of what's but, going on in the world, he can't even get a look in the pod. But Don, I'm gonna go. <laughs> you gotta be glad because we have more time. We talk about how crappy his game has become. You know what? Yeah. I, but I'm gonna I'm go with Dick, uh, 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 Jack Nicholas's uh, 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 comment. Making a you know, he is the only person that correct what he needs to get get corrected. All these coaches that he's getting, you know, swing coaches and all. Jack says that. What's going on with him is in between his ears. 
he he needs to correct that mentally. That that's a mental is, is where his his game is right now. I think it's a little bit of everything. Because the, the way he has fought, fallen so far off the pace, and I mean, he's literally the worst golfer out there in terms of where he finished the first two days at the U.S. Open, essentially. Um, and when you fall that yeah. far, it's a little bit of everything in terms of mental, physical. Fifteen-year-old kid did better from than he did. Well, I'm telling you, so you can't tell me that's just mental. Last thing, Chip Brown. Chip Brown from uh, Horns Digest wrote, as some have referenced it, a scathing I'm going to have to read that thoroughly. Athletic director. Because my two friends. Says Steve Patterson is facing heat. Just a few quotes as we wrap it up here. About Mr. Patterson. There is a total disconnect between this AD and the rest of the university. At a time when the football program needs all the support it can get, the program is receiving the opposite, all because of the athletic director. End quote. Scroll down here. Talk, just, that quote touched on football. Here's a little bit more info. Once you start alating the various the very coaches you praise for hiring, it's unacceptable. Obviously, when 10,000 season ticket holders do not renew, when most of them are probably excited about the football coach and recruiting, there is a problem. End quote. Yes, sir. Now, getting back to what I what I mentioned earlier uh, before we got started, one of the statesmen, elder statesmen, Longhorn alumni, said point blank: Longhorns do not treat Longhorns that way. The other thing that has gone on. And I got this from somebody that's in the music. Two games on the road this season in Big 12. Only a basketball pep squad band will be gone that's on the road. That's referenced in the article. I'm telling you, you need to read this article. Trust me. And, and I'm Brown like, oh, goes okay. hard at Steve Patterson. That tennis program band, everything. That. I I was like, and that tennis program, I, I, that person that brought me up to that lost his job. The, the, and I feel bad for that, but my other two compadres up in that uh, up on up in the uh, Forty Acres area, Sean, Brian, I want to hear from you. Don't be sitting on the sidelines. I want to read from you. I want to read and hear from two of you all. And one last thing, because I refuse. Well, before you say podcast. that, there was a follow up to the report. That report was so scathing and so deep that the University of Texas had a retort, if you would. To follow up on that, so I encourage you to read both of them because I think it's one, it's informative, but it too also explains the la- landscape of college sports and how it's going back and forth in the direction it needs to go in terms of relationships. One, uh-huh. and a lot of this was talking about the professionalism. We've seen this take place at Michigan. Yep. Uh, and that yeah. AD ultimately lost his job yeah. with the frustration that the students had and many alums in regards to the direction. Yeah. That was also an AD that came from a corporate setting in regards to his previous past. Similar, similar to CEO, what's, what's going on. Yeah. Uh, with uh, Domino's. Yes. Uh, obviously, Patterson, not necessarily CEO from the outside, but he, a lot of the reference was talking to, about him past experiences as a in professional. Program, yeah. Um, GM and those kind of things at that high level. So it'll be interesting to follow this and this pendulum that goes back and forth of how people believe college uh, should be in regards to the relationship and 
those that are in charge with keeping the money train going forward. Ah, and then I'll be done tonight with my with any comments and all out of my mouth. AKA, y'all need to come to town, come to Houston, and and venture because the Deltas are coming to town July the twenty fifth through the twenty seventh. Delta Sigma Theta. Three days I, at the Toyota give, Center. I'm it's going to be a good house. day. We can have a podcast, but I'll be driving from somewhere other than the house because they take it over. Lord, <laughs> Doc, the Delta. Doc, they get it. Not, my wife is a Delta. Delta yeah, what I'm saying. Her, She's a great woman. Her aunt is a Delta. Because the majority of the women in my family are Deltas. Right. Yeah, the, that's the what, one person that's I what know. I keep being told. Her, her mother is a Delta. Uh, uh, several other People in the family of Deltas. And so they, they basically just told you, you, you the baby didn't stay. Have, they didn't have to tell me. The baby didn't stay, but you got to get. one question to my wife. Are they coming by the house? She says, yes, yeah, so I'm out. Y'all can have it. I hear you. I hear you. I, I but know yeah. the rules of engagement. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, that's right. The Deltas are coming to town. I'm going to make this statement. Three days at Toyota Center, that's for sure. July 25th, 26th, and 27th. They will be deep. Oh, yeah. We're talking about all day. Gonna be some money made, but it's gonna be an enjoyment to see them up close and all in their environment when they do what they do when they get together. Good point. Because when they want to make change, they can make change. Two two things. What? Now? No, no. I'm, I'm, I love talking about deltas. There's no problem with that, you know. Because like I said, majority of women in my family are deltas, so I'm not stupid. Now, one of the <laughs> my, one of my one of my one of my cousins who is like my twin, she's an AKA. So I'm not sure how she was able to get out get out of, of that, uh, you know. But good for her because she's truly she's, she's like my twin. So she's just three months older than me. Right. I rounded that all the time. She, she's older than me, so she's <laughs> old compared to me. So, <clears throat> I hear, but I hear. that's tough. Two two things. One more thing about the Longhorns: they are being investigated for academic impropriety under Rick Barnes involving three players. Uh. Martez Walker, DeCoven Brown, and P.J. Tucker involving tutors or academic advisors. P.J. So, Tucker, how far does that go back? 2003, 2006. Really? Mm-hmm. DeCoven Brown was there from 2009, 2012, and like Walker was around 2013. So there's some stuff going on with uh, papers, finals, academics, things of that sort. So, yes, that is... That is being looked at too, and because you know that's under Rick Barnes, who is now head coach at Tennessee. Yeah. So we'll see how this plays out for him. Which Tennessee had an opening for a coach because yes, the coach that had just signed with yes was got it had troubles at Southern Miss. (laughs) So yes, the wheels in a bus go round Round and and round. Yep. One last thing, I touched on this, and um, I'm gonna wrap it up. But a few days from now, I believe uh, this Friday is the 26th, I will be at the Ensemble Theater with someone sitting next to me. Who She will be there as well. She is a true diehard supporter of the KG Fifth Ward Wildcat and Doc Podcast. She's already told me that uh, when we start, when we do have the shirts available, she wants one. So let y'all know that. Okay. They are coming. So they are coming. She's looking forward to that. She's excited. But yes, she and I will be at the, the Ensemble Theater. The design has been made. All we're doing is waiting on some nuances for the pr- printing component. Exactly. So look for that, listeners. So I will let you all know how things go at the Ensemble Theater. 
So, young lady, I know you will listen to this podcast. I will see you Friday. Thank you very much for your support. Gentlemen, as always, as I wrap it up, in conclusion, be true, be cool, and do more.